0: Hey, Carl here to say that Music to Code By is now an app called Music to Flow By. Now you can listen to the tracks on your phone with offline capability. The first three tracks are free, and the entire catalog is available by subscription with a new track arriving every month. Just go to musictoflowby.com for all the links. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin, and this is Richard Campbell. We are actually in person in some conference room somewhere, looking out the window at
1: Westminster Abbey. There's Westminster Abbey. We're in the Queen Elizabeth II Conference Center, right at NDC London. Yeah, new venue for them. Yeah, nice to be in Westminster. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's a beautiful area. It's fun being yeah, downtown. Westminster Abbey. You know, Isaac Newton's buried over there. Yeah, crazy
0: people. <laughs> you're walking around and you're like, "Hey, you're standing on Isaac Newton." <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, Charles Dickens. Yeah, don't fall down. Be careful. Uh, Anyway, Dom and Brock are here. But before we talk to them about security and all that stuff, we have a little business to take care of. This is Better Know Framework. Roll them. All right, dude, what do you got? This is a very interesting library uh, at boardgame.io. Now, this is at Google's GitHub repository, but it's disclaimer it is not an official Google product and uh, essentially the goal of the framework is to allow a game author to essentially translate the rules of a game into a series of simple functions that describe how the game state changes when a particular move is made and the framework takes care of the rest you'll not need to write any networking or backend code so let me go through the feature list of this there's a state management Uh, game state is managed seamlessly across browser server and storage automatically It's a web framework, if you hadn't guessed, right? Right. Prototyping, uh, debugging interface to simulate moves even before you render the game. Uh, Multiplayer features, all browsers connected to the same game are synced in real time with no refreshes required. Uh, Game phases with different game rules, including custom turn orders per phase. Triggers, automatic actions when certain game conditions are met. Secret state, secret information like the opponent's cards in a card game, for example, can be hidden from the client. Uh, logs, game logs, are the ability to time travel, viewing the board at an earlier state, and also a UI toolkit which contains React components for hex grids, cards, tokens, that kind of thing. It's like all the plumbing that you know to
1: go into a digital board game. Yeah,
0: exactly. Or or, or any kind of you game, have to really. wonder if
1: it's like a Settlers of Catan uh, configuration set.
0: It's interesting, isn't yeah,
1: it? It'd be a possibility. Yeah. Very so, geeky. Yeah, very geeky. And I thought
0: it would be fun to uh, talk about that. I haven't used it, of course, as I don't use a lot of these things that I talk about, but I do see that they're popular. And this one was uh, trending. So
1: uh, boardgame.io. Very interesting. Yeah. Who's talking to us today, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1409, which we published back in February of 2017, roughly a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, with one Brock Allen and Dominic Beyer talking about Identity Server 4. So, you know, last year's conversation, essentially. uh, Got a lot of comments on it, as usual, and I could see that uh, Brock responded to a few of them. This one, about a year ago, uh, Bruce Windrum, who said, Hey, guys, thanks for the great work. Identity Server 4 is legit. Legit. There you go. It took me ages to understand why we need OpenID Connect when we have OAuth 2 and why we need Identity Server 4 when we have ASP.NET Core Identity. I understand now that they are symbiotic. I have a lot of respect for you guys who really understand and implement OpenID Connect. In my opinion, OpenID Connect is one of those things that are very hard to understand initially, but seem obvious once you already understand it. And he asked a question of Dominic. He says, what's the problem with exposing ADFS, that's Active Directory Federation Services, directly to the public internet? And uh, as an aside, says Carl and Richard, you guys are rock stars. Thanks for producing great podcasts. I've been listening to every single show wow. for more than three years. Okay. So that would be four years now. Presuming he stayed with it. And Brock did respond at the time, admittedly a year ago, whether you remember or not. He said, I think Microsoft does not recommend it, exposing ADFS publicly, right. that they have something called the ADFS proxy. Uh, which has got a new name now, I believe. I can't remember what it's called. Web Application uh, Proxy. The what? The, dev- the Web Application web Proxy. Web Application Proxy that's um, designed to be a public-facing interface for identity. Hmm. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, all, all good stuff. And interesting to see folks that have listened to the show and taken this stuff on and evaluate it. So, Bruce, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET or via any of our social media, because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin.
0: He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. Checkmate. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's deep man
0: now i was going to introduce dom and brock with you know these big long bios but these guys are just like nah just say we're a couple
1: of security guys so uh,
2: i think that's fair yeah that's yep. fair
1: and and not your first rodeo i no. mean I, I appreciate that we've been able to check in with you guys on a regular basis about this issue because everybody has it mm-hmm. i think i mean i hope I, I hope you guys feel this way that bit by bit it does seem like the cadre of developers around us are taking this a bit more seriously now.
3: Yeah, it's it's amazing. the, the demand is growing every year. Brock and I do. Actually, the the NDC organizers are are like really um, surprised because they. Before we came along, they never ran a workshop twice. Right. (laughs) So it turns out that every time we did the workshop, we had more and more people. And I think we've had that experience at Dev Intersection.
1: Yeah. You guys, I mean, other than updates for new versions and things like that, you're doing essentially the same workshop every time. Right. And we fill it every time. And I
2: frequently get people who repeat. Like it's <laughs> in so much information, right? right. <laughs> and it's so you know, it's it's a complicated topic. Sure. So they and take they spend two days
1: with you. Yeah. Then they go back to their work and work on it for a while, and then six months or a year later come back and go Tell me that again. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> the all the bigger problem is they come there and don't spend the time after that. Right. And yeah. when they finally need to do it for real.
1: They're overwhelmed.
3: Then Microsoft has changed eighth minute core. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> right. Well, and then yeah, they need to relearn it again. Kind of. I mean, the concepts are always the same. Yeah. Eight. I mean, I did more or less the same workshop at WCF times already. Right. Yeah. Just, just different technology, right? Yeah. Um, sure. So well,
1: you, to me, your explanation of claims based security is the reference. I remember doing. It, I think it was an NDC. where yeah, it At the was. end of it, I started of looking. went, that's the best explanation I've ever heard. Oslo. Like, yeah. It just. Yeah. It just was one of those moments where you nailed it, and we. Really so I,
3: you know, the re- the reason I think is just that. Identity is a business enabler,
1: sure, right, and a requirement. And, yes, and it, and it, that's I think it's just generally speaking in our community becoming more obvious to everyone that it can't be an also or an eventually or an afterthought.
3: And, and even if you don't buy into this idea, you know, like you know, ten years ago as so, I was, like there must be. The global identity provider, even if, if you don't buy into that. Sure. I think if your portfolio has more than one application, you want to be your own identity provider so right. that people can change between them without having to re- re-authenticate all the time. Yeah. And, um, or they might have to integrate with external ones and so on. So yeah, that the problem is not going away. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. And that's, I guess, the, the explanation why this workshop is still running.
1: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I don't hear folks talking about single sign on munch anymore. Like this doesn't seem to be a major talking point. But
3: I think because it's just a,
1: an assumption these days. Sure. Yeah. But it's just crossed that line of yeah, no. If I logged in, I want to be logged in. Yeah.
2: And there are more and more types of apps that people are building, right? Right. So much more APIs, many more mobile mobile apps, spas, right? Yeah. So the the single sign-on is sort of an assumption these days. But the the different types of apps, you need to secure all those different aspects and, and assets of those too.
1: So what about Two phase authentication or multi phase authentication.
2: Yeah. Multi factor authentication is, uh, still highly recommended. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are, have been some updates actually in, in ASP.NET identity mm-hmm. to, to support things like Google Authenticator, which is really a, a good way nice. to do that.
1: That seems very open and you don't have to use the Microsoft Authenticator. Actually, yeah. Microsoft I was about
2: site. to say the, the Authenticator it doesn't matter which Authenticator app you use. Microsoft does have a Microsoft yeah, Authenticator. Sure. The, the underlying algorithm is the same. Interesting. Um, but yeah, you install this app on your phone and that basically is is going to help achieve your 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 multi-factor authentication, so
0: that you're not getting text messages all the time.
2: Well, or?
3: yeah, exactly. The, the NIST has put out a document discouraging text, me- you know, SMS-based right. authentication. So yeah, more and more.
0: It was a great. Kludge. I mean, you know, hey, yeah. we're gonna send you this number, pl- plug it in, and-
3: unless you stole the phone.
2: Yeah, right. right. Yeah, well, cool. <laughs> but just to clarify that, though, I mean, SMS is is not the highest preferred approach, but it's still better than nothing. Yeah, exactly.
1: yeah, yeah. And, and everybody's got it. Yeah, sure. You know, that's sort of the one thing you can sort of count on. That's and that,
2: that's that's sort of the downside of the Authenticator app is it's a little bit more user education and, uh, you know, for them to, to learn how to use it and, and mm-hmm. follow those steps. Sure. It's not that bad, but it's just, you know, if it's something new, maybe a text message is a little bit easier. And
1: thinking in the timeline, when we recorded the last year's show, it was in January, published in February, yeah. knowing that 1.1 of .NET Core would drop in March – And then 2.0 in August. So, it's probably been a pretty frantic year for you with what's happened with .NET Core.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So, I um am. I told the story actually <laughs> this morning in our talk, you know, like all, all the years before Microsoft's release schedule kind of coincided with Scott Guthrie's speaking schedule. So then, <laughs> you know, like whenever he was doing a big keynote, they had to release something. Right, right. This, for, for this time around, they didn't do it like that. Yeah. So no one really knew when they're going to ship ASP.NET Core. So it was actually at NDC Sydney in August this year, last year, I, I met Damien and Barry in the elevator in the morning and, right. and Barry gave me a USB stick said, oh, by the way, he has minute Core 2. We just shipped it. Wow! <laughs> uh. And I said, you guys are aware that you changed so many things that a little bit of a heads up would have been appreciated. Oh, man. <laughs> so yeah, they, you know, they try to do it differently this time. And I think they, they, we all agree that something in the middle would be beneficial. <laughs> oh, I see. So <laughs> then you're talking about Barry Doran, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Who's an, always an interesting character. Really. Oh, we <laughs> always have fun with Barry.
3: Yes. So
1: you're not happy with 2.0?
3: So I think from an authentication point of view, 2.0 is the best release. Oh, nice. Okay. But obviously, since identity server is a really, you know, like very closely related to the ASP.NET core authentication system, every time they change something, we have to change something. Sure, right. And um, the version one system was a direct port from Katana. Right. And Katana had the issue of not having uh, dependency injection. So they tried to solve the problem differently. Right. Mm-hmm. So they ha- introduced this really complicated thing of active middleware and passive middleware. Hmm. And the active one was your primary authentication method. The passive one was the the optional authentication methods. And what happened if you by accident configured two middleware to be active? It was a completely undefined behavior what was happening after that. Yikes. And um so actually, Brock and I opened an issue... I don't know, one and a half years ago, I was maybe saying like, you know what, now you have dependency injection. I think you can do a much better job as trying to bend the middleware pipeline to your will. And that's what they did. So basically, now okay. in in ASP.NET Core 2, you basically throw in all of your basically every authentication method is represented by a handler, mm-hmm. and you throw them all into the DI container, and then you can pick and choose at runtime which one you want to use. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, they made the configuration system in a way that you are not accidentally happening to misconfigure it, so that you have two primary authentication methods, sure. and it's 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 much better. Mm-hmm. And in the talk this morning, we showed how easy it is now to mix and match arbitrary authentication method. So we added um, cookies, we added WS federation, which they just released as a right. preview. We added um, um, SAML2P, which is still a big thing in banks and governments and organizations. Sure. Um, we added OpenID Connect, we added JSON Web Token Authentication, all in the same host, and they all can peacefully coexist now. Nice.
0: <laughs> That's good. Is there anywhere that uh, the, the tools that Azure is offering is sort of encroaching and stepping on your toes or has there always been a symbiotic relationship
3: well Azure, we don't really care about Azure, to be yeah. honest i mean from a I- identity point of view right we are we are really plugging into aspnet core
0: no i know that but they also have an identity management uh, offering yeah. that they came out it was a year year ago or so yeah and is there any is there any symbiosis there with with uh, what they're doing
3: so Azure has two identity management systems. I think one is Azure AD which yes. is which is optimized for employees, right? So if yeah. you are a company you have an active directory and suddenly your employees want to log in from on the road, that's what Azure AD is for. And
0: that makes sense for them.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um the, the one problem they never really could solve is the business to consumer problem, right? Right? So they have this other thing called Azure B2C. And that, if you want, is directly competing with Identity Server.
0: Right. And what do you guys think of that? So. I mean, the product, yeah. Not, yeah. not, not the situation. <laughs> I can tell you're not happy about the situation, but with mm, the
3: product. I'm not, I'm not unhappy about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we saw, we, we, we have different target audiences. So the, the B2C, okay. yeah, generally speaking, Identity Server is for companies that have, uh, development teams that wanna take responsibility and, um, yeah, that want to take the responsibility of building their own platform. Yeah, and by doing that, giving them ultimate flexibility how they want to build it. Exactly. Yeah, um, a hosted product, regardless if it's B two C or whatever else, mm-hmm. will always operate inside the boundaries of what this hosted product can do. Sure. And um, based on how how this today's high density multi-tenancy hosting works is they yeah. will never ever be able to allow you to run your own code on their servers right right, right. yeah so if that's fine for you and yeah. you don't have these edge cases then uh, you know then then a, then a product is something you just pay money for and they take care of it
0: yeah you flip a switch and that, that that's sort of the azure way isn't it but i, mean, I want to be to be, a to lot be of stuff.
3: honest with you i never had a single project for the last four or five years that was fine without doing customization to it right yeah, yeah yeah i mean we are still very early in the identity as a service kind of sure, Yeah. <coughs> sorry i had something stuck in my throat should i start again
1: no you <laughs> he was being funny that was a joke that was an attempt it at went really well it didn't go
2: over very well
3: okay so yeah so we are still very early, yeah. I think, in, in identity management as a service, and I, I honestly believe that the, the multi-tenancy solution to the problem is not the, the right solution. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right.
3: So very often, though, identity server, we we do work with
2: Azure AD. Yes. Sure. Cause so that's the grid that's like a good sweet spot for identity server is mm-hmm. identity server being able to aggregate multiple identity providers. Yep. And then your apps, you just use identity server directly from your app. Identity server can handle juggling off to all the others. Yep. So yeah, we have tons of scenarios where uh, apps are built by a company and they want the employees to use it, but they yep. want customers to use the same app. Sure. Yeah. So identity server helps deal
3: with all that. Right. And that's a limitation of both Azure AD and B2C. They they don't support multiple types of identities, for example. So yeah, so put Identity Server in front of that as a abstraction layer, and yeah. then we can broker between the two. Have
1: you guys made a retail version of Identity Server now as well?
3: Something similar. Okay. So uh, the second talk today we did. So maybe you remember that one year ago we talked about authorization, right? And uh, you, know, you weren't going to
1: do that. You were an authentication <laughs> guys.
3: Yeah. So. Ultimately, you know, when you're done with authentication, you inevitably have the problem of figuring out what is this guy allowed to do in yeah, my application. What right? And people ask us like, Ken, Can, can't you just build the same turnkey solution? You're yeah, like app.use authorization and I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, the, oddly enough. the interesting observation is that with authentication, once you know all the facts and requirements, there's pretty much only one right solution to do it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah with authorization you you can use multiple approaches and techniques to get to the same goal yeah so we started basically uh, like once a year ago basically talking to every customer like how do you do it how do you did in the past are you happy with that how would you do it if you have to do it again right Mm. and um this basically led to An architecture that we think is the right one um which is promoting the separation of identity and authorization so we you know again many products try to sell you identity and access management in a in a single product Mm -hmm, yeah yeah. and then you're completely locking in you have to use their user store their policy store their whatever um and i think this you know this might work for some but it doesn't work for the ones i know at least sure yeah one um, of
2: one of, the, one of the big issues there by centralizing all of the the uh this authorization information is that that's now global but apps have their own concept of permissions and what a, what a user can do so in one app you might have you know one permission but not in the other app and if the centralized system is feeding that to both apps you might get confused You know, so putting that in one place and and giving it across all, you know, not knowing the app context is is My, my, my
3: favorite example is, you know, like on your, on your passport, there's your date of birth claim. Right. Right. But there is no claim saying you are allowed to drink alcohol because that is handled. By the different, end point, sure. Right? Yeah. When, when I'm going to the, to the States, it's defeated. 21. Yeah, I, right. In Germany, it's eight, 16 or 18, depending on what you're drinking. Sure. Right? So, um, you, identi- in
0: Ireland, it's eight. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, identity is a universal thing. Right. Regardless of where I log in, I'm always the same Dominic. But what I am allowed to do is a very context specific thing. Sure.
0: Very much. Much more complicated claims. And guys, hold that thought while we take a moment for this very important message.
2: This is Dr. Jason Fung.
0: As you may know, my friend Carl Franklin has reversed type 2 diabetes, lost a lot of body fat, and got off all his medications by adopting a combination of a low-carbohydrate diet and intermittent fasting. In my clinical experience, I see this reversal happen in multiple patients every single day. Well, Carl is now hosting and producing my new project, The Obesity Code Podcast, where patients share their success stories and experts chime in to explain the science. Type 2 diabetes is preventable and reversible, and you can do it for free. Check us out at obesitycodepodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. All right, we're back. You're listening to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin Rich Campbell here with uh, Dominic Beyer and uh, Brock Allen talking about authentication. Now we're talking about authorization. And what about the stuff that's built into the .NET framework for authorization? Aren't there whole interfaces and iPrinciple and all of that stuff built in there? Is that stuff that you can uh, snuggle up to somehow? So, or does anybody even use that anymore?
3: Oh, yeah. So the the, the problem is it is a different one, I think. Um, wh- When we talked to all these customers, uh, we realized you know there are many approaches to authorization. Some more exotic, some more common. The you know the, the most prevalent thing was their modeling around roles and, and permissions. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing we found out is that none of them ever took the time to build a general solution to the problem. They just re-implemented one or the other aspect of it for each application over and over oh, again. I see. So we thought, what about building something? That is reusable, that has roles and permissions and a UI and a management API and, and all these things that, that allows them to achieve both you know, the, the separation of concerns and the reusability and the flexibility in modeling application-specific permissions. And we, we started prototype that. And while doing that, we realized, you know, it it, it was easy to get from the idea to a prototype. But making the prototype like a really production ready thing with sure. all the bells and whistles yeah. and the UI and, and the, the client libraries and the caching and all, that was a lot of work. So I asked Brock one day, like, can we afford running another open source project? <laughs> 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 I mean, given the time we spent already with identity server every single day. Right. Like, you know, answering questions on, on the issue tracker and and you know, these things. So the answer was no. And yes. Okay. <laughs> so we thought like, on one hand, we would like to give out the tools to the people. If they like the idea of, of the separation of concerns that we are promoting, like give them the tools to do it. Yeah. Like the, the libraries and, and so on. But the complicated stuff, as I said, like the management and the, the client server and the hosting and so on. I, f- I think that has to become a commercial product. And mm. that's what, that's what we decided on. Okay. So yeah. So today we, we announced policy server. Right. Policy server. Which has a website, policy server IO, ah. which, which points to the open source version, but you get also a link to the commercial one. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, yeah, if you want to play around with that and like the idea, you can just get, get it from GitHub, use it, see if it, if it fits your style. If you have more advanced scenarios like the distribution aspect and the caching and the graphical design of your permissions, then we have a commercial product now.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it's like there's a certain group of people—the ones who kept asking you, "Hey, thanks for the authentication. Could I have authorization, please?" Yeah, you can. That—that that, that <laughs> you, you
2: know, you are. I don't
1: know to say you're giving into the customer, but it's like, ah, oh, this is what you asked for. So, if it's got to be done in a sustainable way, I think this whole conversation exactly. about that—it's like what's sustainable because people who commit to this at the infrastructure level of their applications—they need to know it's going to persist.
3: Yeah. So yeah, it's already stunning, yeah, that how many people are basically using Identity Server as the backbone of their complete business strategy, sure. right? I mean, like they're putting all their customers in there, that the most important asset that asset they have. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've been struggling going back and forth: how do we make this sustainable? And one, I think one good thing about it is that it's it's also our hobby still. Right. right. I mean, like we love you're, you're doing. You're still that. enjoying yourself. Yeah, mm. exactly. But it's on the other hand, imagine. also we, you know. Tr- trying some alternative things. We we, we, we opened a, a Patreon page, for example, now a patreon.com slash identity server, I think, mm-hmm. where, you know, where we encourage commercial organizations, customers, mm-hmm. or, you know, like companies, you know, if you want to make sure that we can keep up the same level of commitment, why not just, you know, give a little bit. Pledge, <laughs> yeah. <Sure. laughs> yeah, give a little bit back.
1: Patreon's a wonderful thing. Yeah, no, very interesting. And, and yeah, interesting to see that model applying this way, too. Better than trying to build a foundation and recreate and the wheel. And it's actually
3: amazing how many, you know, like just... You know, like single persons, not companies, already gave us something. Wow! <laughs> but I, I really think the companies should do that, and not the the employees of the company. That's right? really in- yeah, it's sort of interesting <laughs> truth.
1: Because of course, the, the the developers are the ones who've been using your product, and, and you saved them so much grief. So yeah, yeah, they're the, the one ones who they, see it. And, yeah, and they're and actually. The- quote-unquote cutting the check yeah
2: no, that's a, that's why that's a little bit of a problem i think that that needs to percolate up to sure. the management level a little bit better because well, i wonder if they can
1: submit it as an expense yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: but i also appreciate the idea of patreon
1: being a low friction way for them to make those contributions mm. on a regular
3: basis
0: richard and i've been toying with the idea of doing a patreon page as well mm-hmm. yeah that might be a it's there, a good there, thing
3: there, there are many like podcast style things there yep. like, and, and artists and yeah. comedians i think as well and it's just a little
0: extra insurance you know
3: yeah, there's, there's this guy called ralphie you know him they're doing the, the whiskey reviews right ralphie.com yeah. uh, ralphiestuff.com i think it's called. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah he has a patreon page and that's how he <laughs> stays alive <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: the thing is you never know who's gonna make a patreon pledge can we uh, on the in the two keto dudes side of the keto thing we have a Patreon page and we get a lot of five dollar a month pledges. Yep. But we encourage people. You know, doesn't matter how small the contribution is. And then uh, recently we got a thousand dollar a month pledge oh, wow. from some Saudi Arabian guy okay. who uh, just Clearly happened to be, be listening across the world and uh, un- unscrewed his diabetes and was like, "Here,
2: maybe we should promote Identity Server in Saudi Arabia a little, yeah, little more." That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goes well with your Lamborghini. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's yeah. Very, very interesting and it, and again it's like the sustainability of these products long term. Yeah.
3: And this I think that part. is especially a .net issue. Sure. Yeah, because people are not used to that in the no, .net ecosystem, we've b- yeah.
1: We've been a retail software business for 15
3: plus years
1: now and as we transformed into open source I think folks are struggling to say, well, what's this relationship look like now? How does this look going forward? I mean, Microsoft's paying all these employees to contribute to GitHub repositories. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: Unfortunately, we don't have that. Yeah, you're not. Those not guys. for identity server, no. <laughs> no. It's, it's a great model, too,
0: because you're you're bypassing the middleman and you're supporting directly the things that mean the most to you on a single platform. I think it's just brilliant. So how, how has it been, the, uh, the uh, policy server?
3: Well, we, we we launched today. Oh, oh, yeah. how's it
1: been?
0: the first hour. So far, After
2: that, <it's> just, interest plummeted, <laughs> right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine that there's, there's a lot of work going into that, like sure. the websites and all, polishing everything up. So we launched this morning, mm-hmm. and yeah. congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Very good.
2: I, I mean, I think for the initial year or so of, as a commercial product, this will be a little bit new for us. But um, you know, and we've done consulting all these years up to this point. Sure. So I think that's going to be kind of the model going forward. Is is this relationship? If
3: a customer thinks that this can help,
2: yeah. uh, help and we implement
3: should, their authorization. Then we sh- yeah, we should also mention that it's not just. A- uh, the two of us sure uh, we actually have michelle on board michelle the Tamente, which great. has a history in authorization actually certainly sure yeah man. and we just you know realized that we have to share the same passion for the for the problem mm-hmm. and yeah we've been working on that for pretty hard actually for the last six seven eight months yeah. Yeah. wow that's wow. great
1: that's really exciting hey richard yeah buddy guess what time it is now uh, it must be that happy time again
0: Yeah, it's time to report that I tried to write a joke today with a laugh level of 10. Mm. But alas, I didn't have permission. Uh. So, we have to have level one. That's that's all I can give you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. Situation normal? It? <laughs> Turns out it was a permission problem all this time? Who <laughs> oh, <no>. knew?
0: <laughs> it's actually time to give away a experience subscription from DevExpress to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. And check out their DevExtreme React grid, built from the ground up to fully support all the cool features that come with React, like the virtual DOM and state controllers like Redux. It supports master detail, sorting, grouping, paging, and editing, and you can check it out and test it for free on GitHub. But learn more and download your free 30-day trial of DevExpress Universal at devexpress.com slash superhero.
1: All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner
0: is Danny Alagresa. Congratulations, Danny. Yes. And Danny just won the DExperience subscription, a big pile of awesome from my friends at DevExpress just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is... Go to click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. And, of course, guys, it's your turn. I don't know how many times you've done this. In a few. Yeah. yeah. You
2: been know, been few, this is but the most stressful part of your show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not the first person to tell yeah. me that today. <laughs> I mean, for a week or two, we've been thinking about this. Kicking so. stuff back and forth. Yeah. We actually were talking about it last evening. Yeah, yeah, too. Well, so for mine, I actually, I think I have in mind... Um, do you guys know what Mame is?
0: Oh yeah, multi arcade machine emulator. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So
2: it's basically like the all those um, upright box video yeah. games, the arcade video games that I used to play as a they kid. They the
0: ROMs out, and you can play on Windows. Yeah.
2: So so. Um, with, uh, you know, the show Stranger Things
1: mm-hmm.
0: that okay. came out
2: recently. It was, it's kind of like a, the redo redoing the eighties and mm-hmm. they, they have like the, the, the characters on it are playing Dungeons and Dragons and playing Dig Dug in the yeah, arcade. Yeah, yeah. And all of those childhood memories are coming back to me. So I, it made me re- remember how much I missed those arcade games. So with $5,000, that's what I would do is I would Build buy a shame. box, get all the right, you know, joystick controls on that and, mm-hmm. uh, now, and you would set up a game, a The form
1: factor of that box is built around a four, three, CRT. Yeah. yeah. It's actually going to be hard to come by these days. <laughs> well, nor do well you that's
2: 5000 Yeah. Nor do you want
1: one. So I think you'd actually want an HD screen format yeah. box, a little bit wider than than conventional, but you yeah. can have a better
0: screen for or it. Or a 16.9, but in
1: sort of portrait mode. Yeah, yeah Right. You could do that. The, you know, if, if I'm playing Defender, I'd right. like some oh, extra yeah. width. More mm-hmm. gunning room would be good.
2: <laughs> yeah. So. Only if
0: you're going to have, uh, you, the emulators obviously are square and yeah. in, in that four three, so you're going to have a lot of wasted space. But man, I got into MAME a long, long time ago. But you know, you're this really speaks to this retro thing that's going on yep. with young people right now. And you know, I do consider you a young person, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't, <laughs> I don't know.
2: You have more gray hair than I do, but I uh, that's
0: because you keep your hair short. really, really short. <laughs> <laughs> if it grows out, the gray <laughs> <It> comes out. <laughs> so, but I, you know, um I'm. I, And this is just an aside. I mean, I have a band with horns and it's badass, right? The Franklin Brothers Band. We play nothing written after 1985. (laughs) (laughs) Most of our stuff is from the 60s and 70s. And it's just, I I see more and more young people coming out to listen to us and not complaining that we're not playing Uptown music, you know? So, I think there is this really big surge of among millennials and i know you're not a millennial yeah. but among millennials to rediscover <laughs> the music of their parents generation yeah. anyway enough of that what's your uh, five thousand dollars going to be spent on dominic
3: so i had a hard time <laughs> but basically uh, one of the most important things that i wanted last show i think was my big green egg
0: oh yeah yes.
3: so, so i have that now So, I was thinking, like, what is –
0: We got to back up and tell people what it is. If they haven't been paying attention for the last 10 years. It's a smoker.
1: I mean – And and a grill. Yeah. It's a Kamado oven. A tandoori. It could be a tandoor if you want. Yeah. uh, If you're brave enough. But it's a ceramic egg-shaped thing with a a firebox and uh, grates and uh, the plate setter, which is a blocker for doing proper smoking. Yep. And a beautiful device. So, you've got one.
3: I got one, and it's 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 brilliant. Yeah, but
1: did you get the fan controller?
3: I did. See, there—that's
1: <laughs> when you geekify a perfectly harmless, <laughs> literally Iron Age device.
0: So the fan controller is like a thermostat, and you basically say, yeah, "I so want you yeah. to keep this temperature."
3: Basically, when you're doing like long jobs, as they call them, right? Nice. <laughs> um, where like your your brisket or your 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 pork shoulder, yeah. where you it's ten hours, and you know you could stand next to it for 10 hours and make sure it doesn't you know it, yeah. it, it, constantly it has...
1: controlling the temperature see i've done that but i drink while i do it <laughs> so at some point i order a pizza like you just stop caring <laughs>
3: right. yeah good point so, so I, I thought like you know now, now that i don't have to control the temperature anymore what is the best thing to do while the pork shoulder is in there mm-hmm. it's brewing a beer yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs> which actually takes a lot of time and attention, like
3: which is roughly a six, you know, a brew day is roughly six hours. Right. I, I, I did that on, you know, low tech gear. Yeah, Um, but it's, a shoulder smoke is you
1: know, about six, six to eight hours. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so you could nicely. have a
3: complete brew day while smoking the well, shoulder the was doing or, the or your brisket. So as I said, I, I, I did brew some beer on low tech stuff mm-hmm. but there's one you know i'm i'm, I'm a big fan of brew dog mm-hmm. and um when they you started could draw five grand brew dog <laughs> yeah oh yeah you oh, could give yeah. me a, a five grand voucher yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um oh. when they started they had um there's a kit called brew magic from sapco right and it's it's basically a 50 liter kit for mm-hmm. but it's 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 a bit geeky. It, 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 it has a, con- a computer and uh, advanced temperature control. And Tell me the downside. <laughs> it's more than five grand. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. 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 Right. sort of a downside. Like, so wow, I'm just saving. extra shiny, to I'm me. just saving my five grand for next time, and there then go. I'm going to get it next year. Okay? <laughs> so uh-huh. say,
1: you guys keep doing a show together. Like one of these days, you've got to present a $10,000 solution. <laughs> yeah, right. like, we're going to pool the money and do this.
0: Oh, yeah. interesting so, yeah. idea. But then people would want to win ten thousand dollar shopping sprees as
1: well.
3: <laughs> Who wouldn't want to win Who ten thousand dollar shopping spree? Right. So yeah, SEPCO Brew Magic, it it, it also looks so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. <Okay. laughs>
1: Speaking of brewing and distilling, have you used that still that I gave you yet? I you know after the basement flood, yeah. we are still reorganizing things. So, yeah, but that, I basically haven't had a summer. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's purely a time problem. Are you planning
0: to? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, there's a few interesting things that a set of equipment yeah. offers a number of possibilities. <laughs> One could speculate. One could speculate, <laughs> giving that particular set of gear. Yeah. But you know, to your point about Sepco and the Brew Magic Gear and so forth, it's like the the resurgence of craft beer has a lot to do with the reduction in cost of reliable technology for making relatively small batch yeah. beer, yep. you know, a dozen keg scale, not a thousand keg scale. Yep. And, and that it's just, it's hip to do now. There's now six brew pubs in walking distance of my place Yeah, that all brew their own beer well, and don't sell it more than, you know, two, three miles around.
3: Yep. But to be honest, the situation in Germany is not like that. Well, because of the Heidelberg rules, I think. The purity law yeah. is, is one problem, but mostly, you know, the, the thing they call free houses here in London, mm-hmm. basically a pub that can sell any beer at once, right, doesn't exist in Germany. Basically, you log into one brewery, right, the local one typically, yes. and they and they, you know, sponsor your umbrellas and your ashtrays. right, and and, like and, they, <laughs> and you have glasses
1: that are specific to that yes, beer, yes, like, exactly. That's so, the, that's the so the, the whole
3: craft beer thing is pretty much blocked by these two things it's in very Germany. Very interesting problem. It, yeah. it, it, mm. I think it sucks. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I think it, you know,
1: I think Germans who stay in Germany don't know better, but you've traveled enough that you've seen what happens when yeah. you have a place with 100 different beers. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you like ruby ports? Let me give you six options. Exactly. You
2: were right. saying how in, in Germany,
3: though, it's just recently that they allow you to import beer, like mail mm- order, right? No. Importing was always allowed. But the thing is, if, if a brewery doesn't conform to the purity law, they're not allowed to call it beer.
1: Interesting. So what do
3: they call it? <laughs> One brewery recently <laughs> came up with something called better than beer. <laughs> and actually, because they have this huge lobby in Germany, you know, like the Warsteiner and the Bitburger sure. and the Beck's, they just sued them, and they had to destroy it. Not, not enough to shut them down. They yep. had to actually. They had to destroy the beer. My
1: goodness. Yeah. Wow. So,
3: and the, the whole purity law thing, I mean, on the, the way they're marketing it's like, you know, Belgian beer is really, really bad because it doesn't conform to the purity law. No, oh, save and, me. As you all know, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> lovely stuff.
1: I mean, the... The lambics are crazy, what they, you know, what yeah, they are. I like them. I yeah, no, but it's an, it's an adventure. <laughs> hey, we should do some work today. Yeah. <laughs> we probably should get back to and, it. And I, and I do want to drive back into authorization, uh, authorization, just because there is so many aspects to this. Like mm. you, you jumped immediately into role based, which for mm. better or worse, most people still know and trust that one. Mm-hmm. But under the hood, it's all actually claims based anyway. It's just that one of the
3: claims is the role. So the way we think about that is, that the claims are the input to the authorization policy. Right. So you, you, the user authenticates, gets back his, his identity. And then we send this identity to the policy system. Right. And it will use either rule based things or mapping, static mappings to basically turn that into the permissions for the given application.
1: And I do like the booze example this here is my birthday
3: that's all i can remember
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> here is what i want to drink right the fact that i want a spirit versus uh yep. versus a beer i actually can play a role in what you're authenticated to yep. like i, I just yeah, it's a, a little complicated problem yep and yeah so how old are you what did you want what time of day is it you know, like in the U.S., it's not a, like, hey, no alcohol well, on or a are Sunday. are you at an
3: airport <laughs> are you, are you, yeah. <laughs> where time zones don't, <laughs> yeah, don't actually mean anything? <laughs> like, yeah, I think
1: that's really interesting to be that in some respects, how do you map that out? That for someone to successfully ent- authenticate this claim, this right, they have to – it's almost an equation, an expression. Of well,
2: there's a balance there. Mm-hmm uh and uh the approach that that we uh, looked at was trying to um, be general enough that mm-hmm. can be used across many different applications um and uh and there was uh, I mean dominic was talking this morning on the talk about Exacomol. uh, Exacimal, uh Exacimal? is uh, Exacimal, that's the xml access control it's markup the language extensible oh the extensible access, access, access like control, control markup kind of language <laughs> <laughs> and so, that was a, an older technology, XML-based, that uh, allowed you to kind of do what you're talking about, which sure. is where you could, in XML, model your your business logic about authorization. Okay. Um, the funny thing about this is, one, we're not used, still using it generally today, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd never even heard of it. Nope. So, <laughs> um, and the kind of weird thing about it is that you're in your app, you have to export all this context... Like maybe it's the customer record and who's the salesperson for it and the current user. Turn this into this message and send it out of your system to this Exacqul system. They would go off and run these rules you're talking about and give you the result. Right. And so, do you really want to write your business logic in that when you're already in your app and your C sharp code and you have yeah you, you know you
1: want to just go if this then yeah. yes. Yeah. So or there's no. a
2: certain amount of logic that we realize that is not authorization logic. It really is just business logic. Sure. So what we tried to do was come up with, a, you know, walk that fine line between what made sense to centralize and uh, uh, allow this mapping mechanism. Um, and ultimately what we do map to are roles and permissions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those are application specific. Then the app gets those back, can make its kind of coarse grained uh, authorization decisions based on that. But anything beyond that we feel is really meant, meant, meant to be in the application. No, it makes
1: a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, you, there's going to be some easy no's, but possibly some harder yeses. Yeah. So, you get past the easy no's with the policy side, yep. and then you pull the rest in to finalize. Yeah. Okay, we are going to get to a yes. Here.
2: Yeah. So, fundamentally, what we allow you to model is for a particular application – Okay. What are your roles in this application, mm-hmm. and what are your permissions? Right. And the, the the whole point of the policy server system is that it is multi-application support. Right. Um,
1: if you've given them the rights to sales data in one app, it should be presumed reasonable for another app.
2: Sure. Sure. You can you can do that. We actually even have um, hierarchies of policies. Oh, interesting. So you can have some
3: amount of reuse, if you will, across different contexts. Yeah. Uh, you, you might have a suite of applications that share the same users mm-hmm. right but so uh, but each application has different permissions you want to yeah. draw from the same user pool or the same role pool but each application you know you have different things yeah or you might have but there might be
1: some intersection points
3: there yes yeah, exactly right
2: so you know? if the users are in particular roles in both apps yeah, right. but different apps have different permissions you want to get the reuse of the role mapping, sure. but different apps get the different... Do you
0: offices? have customers with a scenario where permissions change on a second-by-second second basis or maybe based on actions or something like that, so they need to be able to pull those permissions from from the internet?
2: Uh, well, not so much second-by-second second, but um, and not around maybe arbitrary decisions, uh, yeah. what your permissions may or may not be. But So the... This hierarchy that we were ta- just talking about uh, to reuse roles, um, we also can utilize that hierarchy to actually model different resources in a system. So I had a customer who um, I built an authorization system for them. I don't know five or ten years ago, and they had uh, it was for um, fire marshals. To go into a building and inspect the, um, you know, the fire alarms. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, they had really strict rules. I'm not sure why they had these strict rules. But they had these really strict rules where a certain fire marshal could get assigned to a floor. Yeah. To a room or to a device in the room. Wow. wow. So, they had this hierarchy that they needed to be able to assign permissions, yeah. authorization to. Right. And so, that was another use case that I really thought we needed to be able to solve with policy server. And so, the idea here is that then, you know, maybe, you know, Rich, you're assigned to room one, you know, device one, right? But Carl's assigned to, to all of floor two but, or something. Right. So, the policy system supporting these hierarchies, mm. what you can do is model your domain in these hierarchies and assign roles and permissions at the various levels. It
1: does feel like an ACL hierarchy too, right? Uh, Yeah, in a sense. You might be assigned read, write, or read to the, to the directory, but only write to this file. Yeah, exactly.
3: and And you could also create them, um, at runtime. So think of, um, like GitHub, an IRT system, GitHub, for example. Yeah, oh, okay. That's my favorite uh, example. Where you have a user, the user creates a repo, mm-hmm. right? So the repo, think of the repo now, is is a policy in our system, right? And now the user can go and give PROC push access, right? So, so GitHub defines a fixed set of permissions globally, yep. right. But the repos are are created by the users themselves at runtime, so you can and they be, need privileges, mm, yes. Yeah. And but you could use policy server to outsource the the permission management to to a service, mm-hmm. yeah. so That's we have an API that you would then call from within
2: your application sure. to configure this hierarchy and say what users can can be assigned what permissions.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm thinking of a situation where things change outside of the system, like an IoT system. So, mm. you know, if a, if a sensor picks up that. Uh something is happening yeah. in this part of the building. Uh, we want to block access to everybody else of so that physical yeah. building. So it might right. lock the door or give you no so, access to go so in and change we, your code. What we whatever. have
3: right now is in the client library, we we can configure how often we anticipate to change the permissions. Mm. So basically, you know, like we have some intelligent caching in there that you mm. don't, for every single call, you, you, you don't want to do a network round trip, yeah. right? So we can cache that for a certain amount of time. What we are thinking about is what you are describing is ha- having maybe web hooks, right. right? Where you can notify like, Hey, p- policy has changed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's not in the, in, in version 1.0. <laughs> no, but it, it's an
0: interesting scenario that, uh, you know, we, I think it was that first talk in Oslo that you told us about where the light bulb went on, that it's all about authorization is all about business rules. You know, it's about mm-hmm. what can you do? What can't you do? What do you, how much are you allowed to see it in all of that? And, uh, you know, in a homogeneous system world like this, where you've got lots of inputs and things happening, it just make, kind of makes sense.
1: Well, and I appreciate the idea that there's a certain class of rules that could be genericized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but you're inevitably going to get to a point where it's like this is specific to the app. Yeah. I want mile. that code in the app. I yep. don't want to push it to a common store. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah, and that's why Exacqmal, as that example. Yeah, it didn't ever take off. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know,
1: you could get an Exacomol MAME
0: game. <laughs> That'd be kind yeah. of I don't know what the controller
2: would no, look you like. You can have your five thousand back. <laughs> <laughs> I hid the gopher, but I didn't have the rights.
3: <laughs> and and you can tell that when companies start writing DSLs to to create Exacomol. Yeah, <laughs> there's a path to hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like,
1: yeah we want a, we want a way to generically express that, and yeah. This is not code you should write. This is plumbing, right? It's security yeah. plumbing. It's important plumbing, which all the more reason it's got to be done right. Yeah. Uh, where, how do you guys feeling about the, uh, the new rules in the, in the EU? Around, uh, the, what is the, uh, the general data protection, GDPR. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah, regulations.
3: Yeah. It's first of all, a huge money making machine for consultants. Oh, sure. Like <laughs> <you> know, <laughs>
1: everybody's
3: afraid now. Google for GDPR. The first things will be sponsored by, you know, the big, yeah, the, big, the yeah, the,
0: uh, well, every time there's like big policy changes, like I mean, I'm Sar- socks, Sarbanes Oxley. Yeah. All the security consultants were like, Cha-ching! thank you. There's yeah. a second
3: one right now going on in Europe. It's called PSD2, the Payment Service Directive number okay. two, which basically f- will force banks starting this year to open up their APIs. Hmm. So basically, wow. transition from banks to banking. Right. Yeah. So yeah. another interesting one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where actually, identify we we have a couple of customers who are banks or are like in the fintech industry, where this is really happening this year and it's really important. But coming back to GDPR, yeah, it, I mean. Generally speaking, GDPR is, is a really good idea because sure. it, it gives more. It gives control back to the consumer.
1: Yeah, well, and the, and the teeth around data breaches. Just a, that alone. There's many things in GDPR, like the right to be forgotten, da da, da da But this whole, if you've got a breach, you don't get to sit on it for a year. Yeah, you've, you've yeah. got to get it out
2: there. There's legislation in the U.S. that I thought I heard just was passing around that, where the gov- gov- U.S. government agencies themselves, when they Detect a breach, breach. Now have a policy that they have to follow in terms of disclosure, mm-hmm. and so they're all being forced—at least the government agencies—to follow the same, basically, I mean, way to react to it. Right. Yeah, exactly. What's
3: definitely interesting is is that GDPR is not only for European companies; it's for all companies dealing with European yes. companies. <laughs> if you sell to, the, to Europe, yep.
1: you, you need to comply. Yeah, and you are uh, exposed to fines. Yeah.
3: So yeah, so I have many, many customers who are right now having a gdpr project sure I bet. <laughs> just basically like
1: because there are audit requirements and things like would we pass this audit where are we going to stumble you know what does that look yeah like? and
3: yeah the other thing which i think really makes sense is that you can't repurpose data anymore with gdpr so sure. like, let's say you're you're, you're taking uh, part in a price draw you give them your email address they can't use the email address afterwards to send you a newsletter
1: and without <laughs> express Without yeah.
3: explicitly asking you for yeah. permission. Yeah. Sure. Um, and in, in our, in OpenID Connect and OAuth, there's this concept of consent, where, right. you, where the, the end user consents before the, 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 client application can use the data or, or even the, the provider releases the data. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Another interesting challenge of GDPR is now that you basically have to be able to retroactively remove the consent yes. again. Hmm. Yeah. And not only for a single application, but maybe for the whole organization. Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that right
1: right, to be forgotten is actually a really small piece of the document. I've read it, Mm. but then I read it as a developer. You know, this requirement gets handed to you, and you go look over at a system, and you're like, wow, this is going to be really hard. (laughs) Like, that is not a small thing to do. Yeah, that's true. Um,
0: Are there any features of uh, the latest identity server we haven't covered that people might be interested in?
3: Um, good question. So we d- you're still version 4, right? Well, 4, think of 4 as the generation. Okay. You know, naming is hard. But <laughs> 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 so, so uh, Identifier uh, went through several generations. The yeah. first two were all about WS security, WS federation, and sure. so on. And then between 2 and 3, we decided that this is not going to be the future, and just basically... Threw away all the code and then start from scratch with OpenID Connect and OAuth. And, off, and mm-hmm. that was the right decision, I think. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Um, so the, the, the current version right now is r- mostly an update to ASP.NET Core 2. Right. Yeah? Um, so um, some, 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 some details have been added. You know, we have added more support for logout scenarios and so on because logout is an interesting one because nobody really cares about logout until they have until the requirement for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, I, r- I wrote a blog post and this morning about, you know, NDC 2018 update where I have all the links to all the stuff we showed basically in, in, in the talk. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're like the main talking points really, but you know, little details that have got been added for, for our, from our point of view, the biggest news is support for WS Federation so that you now can finally support ADFS. With ASP.NET Core. Right. Which I think is really a shame that Microsoft took two years to support their own stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest, yeah, this, the fact that ADFS support, and they, they don't even talk about WS Federation support because who cares about WS Federation? They right. want ADFS support. Yeah. Which happens to use WS Federation. Federation yeah. Hood, yeah. Um, the fact that, AD, that ADFS was not supported is, is a reason why many companies are blocked up to till today to move to ASP.NET Core. Interesting, right? Because wow. they have this existing infrastructure. Why, yeah. you know, you're not going re- to throw in away. Yeah, yeah. So sure. that that's a big thing. So they are very close to releasing the final version of that. It, it's working already. We we found some, some minor things, and that um, there's a guy from Sweden, Anders Abel. He's I call him Mr. SAML. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. whenever whenever I have a SAML question, uh, I ask him, and he's and he's right now in the process of writing a SAML support for ASP.NET Core.
1: Interesting. Mm.
3: So you know, if you're a government agency, a bank, an insurance company, these types of companies, they have a good investment in Samuel.
1: Right. They've run their own. They've written their own token providers. Like exactly. Like they care or
3: about bought commercial ones. Right. Mm. Yeah. So again, for them, lack of support is is a blocker for ASP.NET Core. Yeah. Uh, which means it's a block of identity server. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, these two things we we showed today, they are real, you know, they are released both in preview, but they will be done soon that that that, that that's the biggest news for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. So what's next besides reveling in the release of uh of your new server?
3: obviously
2: 1.0 doesn't have everything that we would like in it but I think uh, we definitely have a, a roadmap that we're going to be implementing uh, probably okay, over contact with the, next... the customers going to put some pressure on that obviously. yeah that's absolutely what we were thinking so that's you know that's what I was saying earlier you know pricing and all that's all going to get figured out um, yeah. but I think the best way moving forward to work with customers on this is to to do a little bit of a consulting style yep. get feedback from them yep. they can kind of learn from us the right way to be modeling this stuff and they get the product as yep. well um, but I think that is going to be a good feedback loop for us yeah. to have more more features down the road.
0: The roadmap starts at the pub, gentlemen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <is that laughs> that? Where, where does
0: <laughs> Where does it end? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Usually ends at a pub. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for being here, and congratulations on Policy Server, and thank thanks you. for thanks all for your hard for, work.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.